All right, just a really short one. Um, somebody, I can't remember who, left a comment about if I could do a video on purgatory. And I said in, the, in my reply that, um, yeah, it would be a very short video. Um, so here it is, because I've only got a few minutes. So purgatory is obvious if you simply read the Bible. Not difficult. Of course, uh, you know, if you're illiterate, if you're a Protestant that's been brainwashed, or, you know, some other sect, then you won't believe in purgatory, but uh, that's because you can't read. Um, you know, purgatory is, is very plainly evident in uh, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, um, 11 to 15, which uh, I'm just going to pick a, I don't, I don't know which version of the Bible this is, it's just an online one, I didn't, um, my, um, my Catholic Bible is upstairs and, uh, you know, wife and kids are asleep, so I'm not going to go up and get it. But um, if you read 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15, I believe it reads something as, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, woods, hay, stubble, each man's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work which any man has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. It's l literally plainly written. Um, and, you know, that's not the only passage, of course. There are other passages in, um, um, well, of course, to Maccabees, which, you know, of course, Luther pulled out of the Bible. <laughs> I wonder why. Because it's a clear thing that the original Jews, you know, the Old Testament Jews, obviously believed in there being a penance after death that you could expiate by prayer, um, you know, and indulgences guess what doing a collection and paying money now purgatory leads to uh, the, the idea of indulgences as well because what is an indulgence indulgence is a, a payment that was usually done to the church but not necessarily always money it could be a, a payment of, of, of work of your labor it could be prayer it could be many things um, but generally it was often um, you know, a donation of money, land, precious items, or so on, to reduce the amount of time that souls that were in purgatory would stay in purgatory. Now, to your average Protestant, this sounds absurd. But if you look at it logically, it makes perfect sense. I mean, what you're saying is there is a punishment right, that is due for you not being perfect. And also, again, you know, purgatory. Why purgatory? Do you think you'd drop dead right now and you've been a relatively good Catholic? Do you think you're good enough to just like walk into heaven, you know, the perfect place where everything is perfect and everyone there is clean and pure? And No. You know, you're basically saying you're a pig covered in pig shit and you're now going to enter the king's palace, which is spotless. Do you think that you're just going to get in there from your pigsty direct? No. 
you know, you would have to probably have your skin scrubbed off first, then be disinfected, and then probably turn into something that doesn't look like a pig before you can step into the king's palace that is spotless. <laughs> you know, it's just common sense. But, um, and again, you know, given that you are an imperfect being and essentially your imperfection is a spiritual flaw, which we all have, and you're now spending time in purgatory to get purified, why would prayer not have an effect? Of course it would. You know, if you're praying for somebody that you care about that's in there and you're like, you're essentially devoting energy, spiritual time, whatever you want to call it, to making that situation better. And is a cold hard cash uh, good enough? Well, yeah, for the very simple reason that, you know, you giving a donation of X amount of money to the Catholic Church, and I'm talking about the Catholic Church, not the Novus Orca Church, that's run by Bergoglio, vicar of pedophiles on earth. Um, no, you giving money uh, to the church allows the church to do some good deeds, whether it's create, you know, help build part of a cathedral, which is what mostly happened, or whether it's to, you know, feed orphans, feed widows and whatever. Now, it's true that, of course, a corrupt priest or a corrupt bishop or whatever could steal the money and use it for their own personal uses. But then that sin is on them. It's not on you. Your intent was clean and clear. And, you know, so, well, why would that reduce the penalty for anybody that's in purgatory? Well, because again, you have spent time, effort, uh, you know, on some level, you have given of yourself somehow in order to make that donation, which again, assuming, you know, you're not dealing with totally corrupt priests, goes to do good, goes to help the kingdom of God on earth, goes to help the church militant. So why would not God recognize that? Of course he would recognize that. Just like he would recognize any good works that you do, whether it's, you know, uh, helping widows, visiting prisoners, all the, you know, all the usual stuff, doing good stuff, basically, doing good deeds. Of course they count. Of course they go in your balance. And all that you're saying is, and you have the free will to do this, is like, don't put it on my tab, put it on my friend's tab, put it on my brother's tab. Put it on, you know, my wife's tab, whoever, you know, whoever's passed on that is in purgatory. So, of course, it makes perfectly logical, spiritual sense. Um, you know, the more you read, I, I strongly suggest read the Patristic Fathers, read the books I suggest to you about, you know, God's battalions and bearing false witness, both books by Rodney Stark. Read those actual historical factual things and you'll realize that the positions of the Catholic Church are eminently reasonable, perfectly logical, make absolute sense, you know. Um, so I, I don't know why people are confused by this stuff. Literally all you got to do is read the New Testament. You don't even really need to read the Old Testament. The Old Testament is sort of like a reference work, you know, but it's written, the original Hebrew is written in a, you know, ain't Ancient Hebrew has got a grammatical structure that you can't even really describe in Western languages, whether Romantic languages or um, Anglo-Saxon languages, Teutonic languages. 
Ancient Hebrew has got a metaphorical structure to it that means that they can be talking about historical things, metaphorical things, or a mix of the two in, in certain proportions that we just don't have in the English language, for example. So you sort of have to be a bit of an expert to try and understand where the, the fine line between historicity and metaphor and, uh, you know, parable is. But overall, all that the Old Testament is at the end of the day is, you know, a bunch of prophecies prophesizing the coming of Jesus. Essentially, that's really what the Old Testament boils down to. Um, and it's interesting, certainly. But, you know, I would focus more on reading the New Testament. It's a lot shorter, you know, for you millennials that uh, struggle with long passages. <laughs> and um, it's more to the point. And really, just read it. You know, I um, I have since you know I've got a variety of vi of Bibles. That I, I use quite a lot the Nestle interlinear Greek one, which is quite interesting because it has the usual sort of common text in English down the side, and it has the Greek um, in the middle of the page with word for word translation of the Greek. And you will find that there are discrepancies between. <laughs> the Greek translated word for word and the general text in English down the side, which is very interesting. But um, I, of course, have not found that level of discrepancy and I found I tend to find that it, it has, in fact, been... <sighs> Pardon me, the Duerami. It's called the Duerami Bible, which is a Catholic Bible. Is, is a very good translation overall. Um, and I, I still go back to the Nestle one, looking at their Greek words in their original, and you know, then trying to understand the actual Greek word, because the original language is always important. And for those morons that say, you know, I've also got a, an Aramaic New Testament, and people say, oh, they love, oh, you don't know anything, Aramaic wasn't one of the original languages of the Bible. <laughs> no, you dumbass Protestant. There are fragments of the Gospels um, in the Dead Sea Scrolls and, and other old, you know, predating um, most of the documents that we have that are in Aramaic. There is absolutely a clear um, phraseology in the New Testament that is Aramaic construction. Now, what people are saying is like, oh, but that was, you know, Aramaic spoken word that was translated into Greek which because the New Testament was written in Greek. Perhaps. But wouldn't you like to know what the actual Aramaic sentence was? Especially when we have fragments of, of the Gospels that do tell you that in Aramaic. So, no. It is absolutely relevant. Um, it is, you know, detailed and not necessary work. Uh, it's not important necessarily that you have an Aramaic, a Greek, a Latin, and a, an English Bibles and all of the above. But, uh, you know, if you're into it, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, but whatever New Testament you've got available, you know, get just get one. Get a New Testament. I do suggest you avoid King's James. Um, although, I, you know, the King's James Bible was one of the first ones I picked up and started reading. 
Um, I say avoid it because, you know, the King James Bible is a translation into English of um, Bibles, you know, books that had been uh, translated and sort of re-edited by essentially Pharisees for six or seven hundred years. So why would you want to use that Bible? You know, use use the uh, the Doremi um Bible translated into English is fine. If you can read Latin, you can read the Vulgate. Um, and have have an interlinear Greek. You know, a decent interlinear Greek Bible is, is good. I used to have a quite a good one that was, um, but the writing, you know, as I become wiser, my eyesight for uh, reading becomes, uh, I don't need to read as much, you know, because I just need to read the big words. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And so I think I gave it away or, or put it in one in storage, I can't remember. But, um, you know, have a decent Greek interlinear translation and uh, the Doeremi Bible and you're fine. You know, uh, and the New Testament is really all you need to read to grasp these concepts. So it's, it's not difficult, guys. It's really not that hard. Just read it. Um, you'll find really interesting stuff. If you start reading the Bible, you'll, you'll start to see things just happen you know i can't explain it. it it is kind of you know it is a divinely inspired document because you can read the same passage 10 times and you will get 10 things from it you will get something from it each time that you didn't necessarily get the last time um so yeah so that's purgatory and um indulgences i guess uh, so I said it'll be a short one. That's it for today. But uh, hopefully I'll do some more soon. Good night.